Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, you guys? Another episode here of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and influencers in the real estate space. I have an awesome guest today coming out of Boston, Massachusetts. We have Lior Rosansky. We had to practice that name several times. I probably still slaughtered it. Mr. Lior, welcome to the Team Building Podcast. I'd give it a B for effort. That's pretty, pretty oh, good. Oh, come on. <laughs> so what's your nationality? I have to ask. That's uh, a good question. I'm actually Israeli. It's, an, it's a very Israeli. Okay, cool. Yeah. I actually lived with an Israeli uh, missionary in Brazil for six months with the last name Solstens. So that sounds about right. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> do you speak we, Hebrew? I do. I do. Awesome. Did you serve in the military? No, actually, I, I've, been, I've been here since elementary school. So oh, I got your story could have been way cooler. Yeah, I should have lied, right? <laughs> so for any audience members that don't know this, some a cool fact, which Lior should explain to us, is when you live in Israel, you're from Israel, you're in a, citizen, a citizen there, you have to go to the military. My understanding is that's like 18 to 19 or 19 to 20 yes. after high school. Everyone serves for 12 months, and they're always in war. So like at any moment, anyone that's ever served can get called back in to have to go to war, and they've been in war for as long as history can record. I, How'd I do? I, that's about right. That's pretty about much right. if you read Wikipedia's definition of Israel, it's pretty that's much a, what I just said. That's basically the first paragraph on Wikipedia. So <laughs> exactly. that's, that's why I asked for an exemption Ooh. when I was here. <laughs> there you go. Well, dude, this is going to be an awesome um, episode. I'm going to quickly introduce you as to some of the reasons you're awesome. Um, Lior has built almost a $10 million portfolio in his investment world. He also runs a very successful real estate team. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are around $20 million a year in volume. Um, Lior, how long have you been in the business up to this point? This would be my third full year. Third full year. And what did you do before this? I did uh, two years of management consulting after college. Okay. So how old are you? I just turned 27. 27 years old, ladies and gentlemen, with almost a $10 million book of business. Um, in the, is it single family or you've got some multis, storage units, commercial spaces? What's your investment portfolio look like? Yeah, we, we only do multifamily, no single families, small as What's your... Yep, go ahead. What's the lowest multifamily you'd own? Yeah, they're all basically three three families in Boston. That's you know that's the, pretty typical, right? The triple decker they call it here. Yep, that's like the most common type of uh, multifamily here. Triple decker. Are those yeah. stairs or are they elevators typically? Oh, stairs. They're they're too Always old stairs. to have elevators. Stair all the way up, baby. All right. Oh yeah, cool. you, you troop it upstairs. <laughs> yep. So for anyone that's made it this long in this podcast episode, the thing that is so fascinating, Lior is under thirty years old, uh, just twenty seven, three more years. And he has done a lot already in the real estate space. And so what I think is so fascinating for anyone listening that runs a really successful real estate team, I so often hear those people say, you know, one day I want to invest. And I'm always like, well, you already have invested your time into building your residential real estate business. Why don't you invest a little bit of your time? You can take a percentage of your money and put it towards generating investment leads. And those investment leads can be storage units, commercial, single family, whatever the jam is, is, is in your area. It could be Airbnb. So I think what our audience members would love to hear about for how young you are is first off, I guess, what, 
how did your mindset get to a point where you were able to do what you've done up to this point? And then who have been some of your mentors, coaches, what have been some of the books, you know, educational content that you've consumed uh, to help you get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I can give you the quick like overview of how I kind of developed that mentality. I mean, I, I went to college, I was actually a pre-med. Um, so I was, I was always destined to be a doctor. And, uh, you know, even after graduating, I kind of took two years to work in management consulting, and they were supposed to be gap years, right? Mm-hmm. I even remember uh, sending out my apps to med schools uh, the year after. And that was just about the time when I was starting to think about investments. And I knew, you know, I knew I wasn't going to kill it in the stocks and equities game. Um, I, you know, I knew I knew I wasn't going to be the next Warren Buffett. And not with that attitude. Yeah, right, right, right. So this is back in 2015. This is 2000, yeah, 2015, 2016. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. And that I kind of just very randomly stumbled across real estate. I mean, just Googled it. Um, and it made sense to me. I mean, I, I'm a numbers guy. I, I ran some numbers and cash flows made sense. And, you know, the, the prices kind of made sense at the time in Boston. Now it's a mm-hmm. lot more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, at that point it was more just, Hey, what do I have to lose? I mean, I don't really, I'm not fully sold on being a doctor quite yet. So, um, pulled the trigger on my first three family. And this is before even being a real estate agent. This is before I was a real estate agent. Yeah. So I I was still working full time. Um, and then basically as soon as I closed on a three family, I withdrew my apps and I knew, uh, I knew real estate was the game. Um, yeah. So those three, that first deal, let's talk about it. Yeah. So you had the mindset going into that, that you wanted to buy investment properties. You had an interest in real estate. You were thinking about going into the medical industry. You kind of were, you know, wavering back and forth. Should I take that next step, go to med school, become a doctor, or is there another path for me? Something must have kind of triggered your mindset to change your trajectory um, after college. Cause you said you got into kind of that, what did you say? Management? A management consulting, yeah. Management consulting. Yeah. Was there someone or something that made you change your mindset and change that trajectory? Because you made a comment early on that your whole life you thought you'd be a doctor. And that's really interesting that that was kind of the trajectory. I feel like your family put you on maybe or friends or someone that was a mentor of yours. How did you leave that trajectory? And the reason I asked that question is a lot of us identify with a trajectory that we're on and we don't consider switching the trajectory. So we identify as for 10 years, I've been an agent. That's what I am. I'm going to always be an agent or I'm always going to be a doctor. I'm always going to be this, that, or the other, but you changed it. And that's a hard, that's the hardest part of this. Like if I can get anything across on this podcast, it's to motivate and inspire people to change themselves so that they can change their world and then they can change the world of others. So what changed you? Why did you switch? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. It's a, it's a scary proposition, right? Like when you, like you said, whether you've been an agent for 10 years, all my life, I've been told I should be a doctor because that's who get that's who makes the most amount of money, um, right? I mean, working pretty, a job, baby, <laughs> going simple. to work every day. Exactly, Woo! exactly. So I love know, giving like, doctors, dentists, and attorneys a really hard time. They've got the best job that they have to go to exactly. every day. Exactly. exactly, and some of them scale, but man. It's not easy for them. It's to tough. It's tough. Um, yeah, you know, so it's it's hard, man. I mean, you're you're on one path, and you know, for me, it, it's I can't say it's one one little thing. I mean, I towards the end of college, I I did have kind of a mentor, one one professor in the business school, mm-hmm. um, who kind of slowly started to put these ideas, like, hey, you know, you kind of got a, a little bit of a knack for this. Then you start reading online. You know, for me, I was reading a lot into bigger pockets. Started reading mm-hmm. a lot about that financial literacy. And 
it's really, it's hard to say it's like a one change, right? It's kind of something you just, you do it over time, right? And if you, if you've really, if you're really thinking about, you know, making a change, it it can't be a snap. It's got to be well thought out, well changed, you know, well processed. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the unsexy story. It really Yeah, is. no, and it always is kind of an unsexy story. Typically, there's not some huge life event for someone. It's just building upon all these small things. Uh, for me personally, I always wanted to become the best version of myself. I never knew what I would be doing to get there. I never did have a path like you did. I assumed I'd own a business, but I never committed to that. Um, I graduated with an undergrad degree in business in 2006. Emphasis in management. Had a, I'm bilingual, trilingual, Portuguese and Spanish, and thought maybe I'd get into international business, but I learned very quickly I could not work for someone else. I had already owned, by the time I graduated college, I'd owned like 10 different businesses that I ran through college and in high school. And I just was like, I cannot report to someone. I, if I want to report to somebody, it will be my wife and it'll be my, you know, the people that are on my board of directors that ask me questions. That's it. So, you know, my story is not much different than yours, but I would tell the audience members it built upon the people that I met the books that I read and the podcasts I listened to. And I'm thousands podcasts in of listening to other people be interviewed. I'm hundreds of books in on leadership and entrepreneurship. Um, and I'm infinite hours in masterminding and talking to people. Every, every chance I get, it doesn't matter who the person is, they have something to offer and I have something to offer them. And so I'm always communicating at a high level to help advance the humanity. Um, but I will share a couple of book recommendations. And if you wanted to share a couple of yours, you talked about your professor. Uh, for me, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a really big game changer. And I know that book gets said a lot, but I don't know that everyone's read it front, you know, front to back. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. It's just a quick download on, you know, the, me- the mentality. And I listen to agents all the time. 99% of agents are the poor dad. If you have a job, that means you trade time for money. That means if you didn't go do the activity you do every day, you wouldn't earn money. That's a job. 99% of real estate agents have jobs. Brokers have jobs. Owners of businesses have jobs. And if you are the, the rich dad, that means that you've built something. Use the cliche sandbox. You've built a sandbox that grows exponentially with you not being necessary. And that's exactly what Lior did several years ago when he bought his first property. That's what's so beautiful, beautiful about investing in real estate. For the most part, you know, if you look over the last 30 years, real estate has grown exponentially and it will continue to grow and somebody else is paying off the debt and you can refi it. And when you do, you don't have a taxable event. To me, that is one of the best parts of real estate. You pull money out anytime you want. You don't get taxed on the money you pull out. Um, you only get taxed on equity events. So if you sold it or, um, yeah, yeah actually, sold, sorry, pretty much. I just closed on a home equity line credit on that property yesterday. I just signed the docs and I got another $50,000 line of credit ready to go just yep. from that first person. So as long as you can cover your debt obligation. So real estate is one of my big things. I'm putting my time and energy into creating vehicles that other people plug into to change their lives. And, um, you know, that, that one book was a big one. Also, uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller, Millionaire Real Estate Agent, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. You've also got um, The five Top Five Regrets of the Dying. So I just ran through my book recommendation really quick, but like all those books to kind of change me. Oh, the last one, The Dream Manager. Whew, that one's a good read for anybody. I haven't listening. heard of that one yet. That's yeah, The, the Dream one. Manager is awesome. It's about a janitorial service that had over 700 employees and they thought about 
giving everybody a raise in their income. And they did a survey to find out, did the people really want a raise or did they want something else? And you'll have to read to find out what they discovered, but it, it's applicable to all of our businesses. So teaches us to teach people to dream. And then it teaches us to build a world that allows their dreams to come to reality. And if you as the leader don't provide people that landscape to allow their dreams to become realities, those people should be encouraged to leave your organization. Huh. So as a doctor, you came to some realization that that wasn't going to allow you to get to where you needed to go. I came to the realization that working for someone else wasn't going to allow me to become the best version of myself and get to where I wanted to go. But let's go back to your first deal because a lot of people that are listening right now are stuck in the fact that they want to do it. They're making great money, $100,000 a year, a million dollars a year. doesn't matter what the dollar amount is. You don't have to have money to buy real estate. But I'm guessing, Lou, or you had saved some. You'd worked for two years out of college. You might've gone and borrowed some money. If you don't mind me asking first, let's talk about how you funded your first deal. Yeah, I mean, that first one was probably the more straightforward one. I, I pulled uh, an owner-occupant loan. So I only had to put down three and a half percent. So you lived in the first one? I, I did for, yes, I did. Lior, did you physically move into the first deal? I'm not going to uh -oh. comment about this on air. <laughs> uh oh, so I've, I've seen this happen a lot. And it, you know, the rules used to be less strict than crazy strict and again, less strict. So owner-occupant loan, <clears throat> the small print on that was that if you changed your mind later, it was okay. Just when you signed the agreement, you had to have the intent to live in the It's market. the, in, yeah, the key word there is intent. And but. in the end, it wasn't what your girlfriend thought it was going to be, or your mom was upset that there was a roach, and so you ended up not moving in. That's fine. Okay, <clears throat> so owner-occupant loan, how much money did they require down? So I only had to put down three and a half percent, so, you know. What was the, the what was the buy price on the first deal? Uh, 520. Um, and you so remember, Oh yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. impressed. That's what, you don't forget the first couple of months, we, right? we Cause we negotiated down from 580. So I, okay. I remember those numbers well. <laughs> well you're at $17,500 down payment. And how'd you scrape up 17 G's? Cause even for real estate agents making a ton of money, it's not easy coming up with 20,000. Yeah. I mean, you just save. I mean, right. Like, you know, I, I kind of, I really liked, um, I was really big into Cardone when I first started out. I heard his message about yep. save to invest. Yep. That's what I did, right? I just didn't spend my money on stupid things. Yep. Drove a Corolla and yep. ended up kept your life modest. Yeah, I tell people yep. that all the time. Exactly. Have you guys ever have you ever heard the sentiment uh, "Big hat, no cattle"? I, I have. It's used down in Texas, the Midwest. Big hat, no cattle. You got this big hat, like you're the top rancher in town, but you don't have any cattle. Exactly. There's a lot of people that are big hat, no cattle. Yep. Every time I see someone in front, you know, a picture in front of an airplane or in front of a sports car, my first thought is, do they own it or are they renting it? And the answer is typically renting it for the people I talk to. And they've got their own strategies around that. And I'm probably just jealous. So um, let's get back into your deal. So 17 grand, you'd saved it up. You put it down. Finding that first deal, uh, was that something where you had told a few real estate agents you were interested? Was it something that just kind of popped up in your neighborhood and you walked through it and thought, holy cow, this might make a great investment? No, I mean, I, I, went, through, I went through two agents, um, didn't really like how they were responding to me. Um, just wasn't getting that level of attention and ended up meeting a third guy on bigger pockets. Mm -hmm. um, young hustler, obviously was trying to, you know, was doing a good job. And after many, many offers, I think I put probably put in like 30 or 40 offers at the time. On 30 or 40 different properties? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You worked it, man. That's impressive. It was competitive. I mean, Boston's, That's a lot. Boston's competitive, especially yeah. the multifamily game. It's, it's tough here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, after 30, 40 offers, finally got one accepted. Okay. Um, and, all right, so you're closing your first deal. Did you have to put any money into rental? 
No, I mean, I, you know, I cleaned it up very, very light. Nothing, Thousand nothing bucks. Specific. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. So you clean it up a little bit. Um, what's your debt obligation on a half a million dollar loan? You're about 4000 a month. No, it's, uh, because it was highly leveraged, it was actually closer to like 3200 Okay. And that's tax, that's PD or PD? PD, yeah. That's Principal what interest, taxes, and insurance. And PMI, yep. Okay. And then what were you making per month on um, gross rents? Uh, when uh, the first two, so when I was living there, um, the first two units, <laughs> I didn't emphasize that. You'd, uh, the first the first two units, I think I was making just about like 3500 so I was covering my obligations, some maintenance. Yeah. Uh, basically and then gravy. once you weren't living there. Once, then that third unit essentially became gravy. Okay. Yep. So you're looking at about 5000 a month. So your cash flow in almost $2,000 a month on your first deal, $24,000 a year cash flow. Yep. Equity's growing. Obviously, it became a seller's market. And I'm assuming that property today is worth. Okay. Call it a million. He doesn't want to tell us. <laughs> Call it a million, it doubles in value in Boston. So he just made a half, he made 100,000 a year in just the appreciation on the property. What are the rents today? Uh, I'm still, I mean, the rents, I'm probably collecting just under 6,000 now. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, they're still uh, going up. They went up. Is there yeah, rent, rent control rent in Boston? Huh? Is there rent control in Boston? Nope, no rent control. Um, have you refied that note? I did. I did yeah. over the winter. Uh, this is what happens when you're 27. And the same thing happens for me at 38 is I think about the deals I'm going to miss out on if I don't refi. So it's all about what are you going to do with the refi money? Did, did Liam go buy, Lior go buy a Ferrari with his refi money, which you probably could have on that property? And maybe you have. I didn't. I actually, I went and uh, I refied actually just this past winter. I kept the same note for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, actually, I went and did it again. Uh, you know, now it's, this was probably building number eight or nine, but I, you know, now I had access to another owner occupant loan. So I went ahead and bought another one in February. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you can get up to 10. My understanding, correct me if I'm wrong. The last I looked at this and I do own a mortgage company uh, was that you can get up to about 10 owner occupant, not owner occupied, but uh, traditional loans. Correct. Yeah. Right? I think that's about right. Yeah. It's about 10 and that's for single family. I don't know how multi is playing. If three units would be a three properties. I think it's per loan. So per you get loan. 10 loans. Yeah. Well, guess what? On those loans, you're only putting three and a half down. Those aren't the, you know, 25% or 20% loans that you typically would see on a commercial side when you invest in, in property. So um, the first deal, just going back again, I know we've kind of taken this one and dissected. And this wasn't even the intent of the call. We don't ever plan on these calls. I just think I like breaking it down and make it so simple. You're 27. You bought this property in 2015. Yeah, I think it was like, I think it was 2016. So I think I just so turned 23 at the time. Four years ago, you're a yeah. young kid, 17 grand. That's a lot for a young child, you know, child essentially to, to do. Um, and your story is not much different than mine. Just so you know, my first deal, I was 23 as well. Not that I can, I'm very competitive, <laughs> but I bought my first unit just to learn. I honestly didn't expect to make any money. I did it just because I'm like, all right, everyone talks about it. I want to be about it. I got a guy on my real estate team, played pro football. His name is Mike Karachek. He always says, don't talk about it, be about it. And I love that sentiment because you really will never learn unless you be about it. And you're lucky you didn't lose money on your first deal. A lot of people do lose money on their first deal. They're taken advantage of. They make, a, they make a misstep because they don't know. And you did make money, which gives you the buying confidence to now go do another and another and another. And now you've built this into, what do you have, about 10 three unit complexes, 10 or 15? Yep, about 10 three unit buildings. I, I will say this too though. I mean, I fully expected to get my butt handed to me when I bought that first one. Mm -hmm. So actually on deal number two and three, I you know, I thought I was a genius and ended up jumping oh, into uh, condo development projects where I did lose a little money. Okay, uh, good. 
Yeah, but I Good. did learn a ton. I mean, yeah. I learned everything that I needed to really know about the real estate business yeah. for those projects. Part of the education process. So anytime you lose money, it's a win as long as you learn from the loss. Yep. It's a good quote. I like that. I that like just that. was natural. <laughs> but it's true. All right. So you did all this. Talk about uh, the residential side and how that's played in. So most of our listeners are probably residential team leaders or aspiring team leaders. We have some brokers and we, of course, have some investors. Uh, but how, how did you start your residential real estate team? And the reason I'm asking this as we talk on this for the last five, the next, last five minutes is a lot of people think that to invest, it's a whole nother business venture or to start a real estate company, it's a whole nother venture. And my experience has been that they can actually run parallel and they're mm -hmm. very similar. So what has been 100% your... agreed, 100% agreed. So yeah, the way I jumped into the sales game, so that agent that sold me that first deal, we actually ended up partnering together. Um, and we're still, now we're- On that deal? No, 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 like partnering on the residential sales oh, side. Oh, cool. Yeah. All so right. we, so what brokerage can, are you at? Uh, so now we're with Compass. Um, okay. We, we just joined there half a year ago. Awesome. Um, yeah, so he, I mean, you know, I kind of, I saw the check he walked away with after that closing and I was like, wow, that's, that's not half bad. Um, so that's I, more than I put down on the property. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a pretty easy sale on his end. They're like, Hey, he got both sides. I know uh, he, he was a buyer's agent on that. So, okay. He represented you on the buy side. There was, yeah, but still, I mean, on but a $500,000 right? sale, it's yeah, more grand. than I was making that in a month at that time. Right. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Yeah. So we, right. basically, we basically partnered and, uh, kind of off to the, off to the races since then. All right. So what's your team look like today and what direction are you going in now? What do you want to do? What are you doing? Yeah. So right now uh, it's me and him. We're kind of the co-leaders, co-team leaders. We've got, uh, we used to have two full-time. Now we have one full-time agents. And mm -hmm. then we also have two part-timers. Cool. Um, and then we also just uh, actually just last month brought on our first uh, full-time assistant as well. Okay. Nice, man. So anyone out there listening, um, I actually give away my business plan for free. You can go to growwithers.com to access that grow with ERS. Also, we have an investment workshop coming up in October. Super excited about it. We have a few VIP guests that are coming. It's an all day event, all on investing. And then the second day is an all day event on team building. So you fly into Omaha, Nebraska, on a Sunday, we do a happy hour, all Mondays investing. We do another dinner happy hour. All Tuesday is team building. We do another dinner and get drinks and then we close it out. So you can fly in on a Sunday, leave win, uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. But if you want more information about that, again, go to growwithers.com or just go out to our website, EliteRealEstateSystems.com and click on events. We'd love to see you there. And Leo, hopefully will come and speak as well in October. So I'm trying to convince him. He said he needs a couple months to plan on these types of things, but we're going to see if we can move some things around in his schedule. Hey, you know what? I've got three active construction projects going on right now. So it's, it's tough for me to drop shit. Sounds like a job to me, Lior. Sounds <laughs> like a job to me. All right. So um, as far as our investment experience, so I built our Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group, which would now retired and I became the Keller Williams brokerage. We own KW Elite in Omaha. We're expanding all across the country. We want to be in every brokerage in America in the next five years, both inside and outside of Keller Williams by helping build a CAP team, Certified Advisor Program. Ultimately, we become the coaching, education, accountability, lead generation, technology platform for all real estate companies with agents that have done less than 37 transactions. 
So that's the biggest fail in the traditional brokerage model is that they have not built the correct systems and strategies around supporting a brand new agent or an agent that's only been in the business for a little bit. And so that's what we're doing is partnering with brokerages to bring that value to them. My experience was going from 70 to 700 sides just focused on residential real estate sales and making that commission. I got out of the day-to-day -day grind of a job of selling real estate in 2015. Uh, 2014 with the focus of scaling not only the real estate company, but also my investment business, as well as my coaching company, Elite Real Estate Systems, and all the ancillary businesses, title, mortgage, insurance, financial planning, and now digital marketing. We just launched a company called Verley Studio. So with all of that, um, as we have our guests listening and you start thinking about, you know, what rabbit holes do you want to go down? How do you go down them? You have to take yourself out of the driving seat. So let's use your experience as at 27. You said you have three projects going. If you were to take yourself out of that driving seat, who would be the right person to go in it? And then what would you be able to free up your time to focus on that would make you more money than putting your time towards those three projects? And how many hours a day do you spend thinking about this? Well, th this is all on my whiteboard as we speak right now. So I've been thinking about this for a while. So now I am trying to put systems in place where we can have, uh, you know, people running the projects. I mean, right now I, I've got a partner that obviously that manages more of the construction side than I do. Um, but yeah, if we can completely take that out, right, and have construction more or less going, uh, we can focus on more acquisitions, focus on continuing to grow the real estate team as well. Um, you know, recruiting more agents, bringing more value, growing out the system. So yep. that's all That's all on my whiteboard right, right next Good. to me. <laughs> Listen, for everyone that has made it this far, thank you, by the way, for being here. Um, the mindset challenge is this. What role do you serve in today that someone else couldn't take over to allow you to do something bigger and better or more influential? It doesn't even have to be to make money. It could just to do something else bigger and better in your mindset. And why wouldn't you make that move? It's very interesting to me. Most agents that are rock star agents never stop selling because they love to be on stage. I think there's some fear of leaving. I think that there's some fun of being on stage and the feeling you get when you make a $20,000 commission or $150,000 commission or whatever the case might be. Um, but why not put the time and energy into replacing oneself? And I think the answer is it's hard. It's very hard. It's complicated. It's multifaceted. It's a lot of moving pieces. So as everyone sits here and goes, okay, how would I replace myself? Pick the industry. I don't care what you do. How do you replace yourself so that you can move on to do something that's highest higher income producing activity or is going to create more impact influence and make you happy. And a lot of people don't ever do that next, don't ever go to that next step because they don't choose to be intentional about replacing themselves so that they can move on. And I think the main reason for it is that they have not created to your very point of what's on your whiteboard, the systems and processes necessary to then take someone, plug them into your role. There's too many things you have, essentially you have worked yourself into a job that you'll never be able to leave. And by leaving it, it will go away because it's impossible. It, there's certain situations where I feel like it's practically an impossibility to be able to plug somebody else into the role. Obviously, there's certain functions that are simple. A transaction coordinator, dotting I's, crossing T's in Omaha, that's a $15 an hour position. In Boston, it's probably a $30 an hour position. That's a simple position. Everyone's like, oh yeah, of course you should have a transaction coordinator. Well, why couldn't you have someone overseeing your projects? Why couldn't you have someone overseeing your marketing? Why couldn't you have someone overseeing your showing showings on residential houses? Why couldn't you have someone overseeing your dry cleaning, your yard, you know, waste removal, um, 
pick it, pick it. Everything should be le- like, there's nothing that can't be leverageable. It's just us choosing to leverage it and knowing the right time. And I think it's so fascinating. You're 27. Most of our audience members, I'm guessing, are quite older and they're still having trouble leveraging. And I'm getting to talk to you right now saying, hey, leverage everything and move on to bigger, better things. The one thing I'll tell everyone that I have learned for myself that I think is pretty fascinating is that it'll make you happier. It's fun to always be learning and growing and doing things that are scary. Life is boring once you've arrived. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever hiked a 14er. I've done a couple of them in Colorado. I think they have the most 14ers out of any state. That's a, that's a mountain that's 14,000 feet. Um, and for a guy my size, I'm 300 pounds. That's not an easy hike. But what's so fascinating is you get to the top of it and there's two personality types. One personality type goes, I'm never doing this again. This is absolutely beautiful, but I'm good. I arrived. There's another personality type's like, bring me a bigger mountain. Where are the 15ers? Where are the 16ers, right? Or where's the next big challenge? Where's the thing that's going to hurt? Because one that accomplishes at a high level learns that it's in the accomplishing, I think, that we find our greatest satisfaction. And then once we've accomplished at a high level, we have more impact and influence on the lives of others. You can teach other people. It's not just about, oh, what I've gained from myself and my family. Now, because I've gained these things, I've gained the knowledge necessary to get here, I can help other people and create great and massive impact and influence but you have to do it for a long enough time that you can then lead others. You have to manage 10 projects to know what it's like. You got to buy 10 properties to know what it's like. You've got to recruit 10 agents to know what that's like before you turn it over to someone else. And that's the journey. Become an expert, teach somebody else to be an expert, become an expert at the next thing, teach somebody else to become an expert, become an expert at the next thing, teach somebody else to become the expert. And you can scale yourself as high as you want to go. It's just got to keep, you got to keep doing it. So that's been my journey. And I'm really excited for the trajectory that you're on. You figured a lot of things out. I think, and I've said this a million times, I'll say it to you personally. And then of course, openly to everyone listening, there is not a better investment than real estate. No one will regret in 30 years from now buying properties today. I don't care if the market tanks hundred percent or 50% or whatever the case might be over the next two years, it will come back. Don't sell it, cover your debt obligation, let your tenants pay it off. It's going to be, I think, the greatest way to acquire wealth over the next 30 years. So I am taking 90% of my income goes to investing in single family, multifamily, storage units, commercial, and I, I'm not taking my foot off the gas and I'm 38 and I'll be doing that probably till I'm about 50. And then at that point, I'll decide if I want to just pay them all off, even though I'm not supposed to do that and just ride off into the sunset with a billion dollar portfolio. And that's my goal. So we're at a hundred doors in Omaha uh, worth about 10 million. So we're about the same place you are just a lot more units in my area to get a $10 million portfolio built up. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a couple more. Yeah. So this has been awesome, man. Sorry if I talked too much. Uh, great interview though. You brought some massive value. Um, for all the things you've done up to this point. I would love to have another interview in the next six to 12 months, kind of see how you're going and maybe find out if you've checked any of those items off of your whiteboard. I like it. You'll hold me accountable to it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely will do. Um, again, for anyone that's made it this far, if you wouldn't mind, go out to iTunes, give us a five-star review uh, and give us a little shout out to Leor for what he's done. I mean, how many people under 30 years old have you ever heard have bought, you know, 10 three unit complexes worth over $10 million. That's really awesome. And it sounds like he did a lot of that self-made. It didn't, he didn't come, you know, ask uncle, uncle, whoever to go help him out. He was able to rock this out on his own. And I think that you've done a phenomenal job and just keep doing what you're doing. Leora, that's awesome. Um, so if anybody has a moment, just go out to iTunes quickly, say, give us, go to the team building podcast, give us a quick five-star review and a shout out to Leor. That's How do people get in touch with you if they want to hit you up? 
Uh, yeah, you guys can, uh, you can uh, always put, uh, I can give you my email, Jeff, and you can put it in the show notes. Um, if you have any questions, I'm always happy to answer anything. Um, you can go to my personal website, leorozanski.com, kind of my hub for the sales side, the investment side. So Check out Lior's website, leorozanski.com. Rozanski's R-O-Z-H-A-N-S-K-Y, Lior, L-I-O-R. Awesome. Appreciate it, Lior. This is an awesome episode. Really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Yeah.